everyone and welcome to the Brent Hess Foundation podcast. I'm your host Marie Noel and it's a pleasure to be here as always. If you're new, hello and thank you so much for joining us. If you are a returning listener, sending virtual claps your way. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. Okay, so this is episode two of our podcast series called Reflections on the Asian Aspiration. We have shared and will be sharing um, content from when the outsides were open and we managed to gather some of the the best and brightest um, academics as well as practitioners, including past presidents. In today's episode, we will be exploring the importance of policy continuation as well as regional examples um, for Asia's development success and perhaps what Africa could learn from this. Joining us today would be first Suleiman Kulibali, who is the lead economist and project leader for Brunei, Malaysia, Philippines, and Thailand at the World Bank. Also on the podcast, we'll have Professor Tang Xiaoyang, who is the deputy director at the Carnegie Xinhua Center for Global Policy. Third, we would also have with us Xu Zhan, who is a former ambassador of China to Rwanda and Eritrea. And lastly, we would have one of the continent's favorite, <laughs> Moketi Majuro, who is the current prime minister of the beautiful kingdom of Lesotho in Southern Africa. So we have a solid lineup for you today, and we hope that you do get to stick around to hear some of the insights, some of the thoughts from these experts and practitioners. And as always, please feel free to share your thoughts, do share your comments with us on social media. And of course, don't forget to grab a copy of the book, The Asian Aspiration. You can find a link in the description box below. Okay, so quite a number of speakers, but not a long podcast, but still, let's just get straight into it. Our first speaker for today would be Professor Tang. Let's listen into what he had to say about regional examples. What long-term vision was adopted in China to ensure that citizens were brought into development? Yeah, so in China's uh, market-oriented reform, there's an initial debate on what should uh, be the criteria for all the practices. And that happened around the late, late 1970s. And this kind of debate really uh, drove the whole society to think about development and think about what counts as a development. So uh, actually the result is that people abandoned the ideological struggle and uh, made a lot of breakthrough in uh, thinking about the real well-being and uh, technological advancement, uh, productivity growth, thinking about these things. And uh, this is uh, how this uh, Chinese society is. And uh, for the next uh, 20, 30 years, they more and more are aware of the importance of this uh, uh, industry growth, uh, adult uh, technology and innovation, but all the things started from this kind of debate, in, uh, which is at the beginning of the market reform. Fantastic. We talked a little bit about um, the idea that can Asians think and whether there's a difference between the, the Asian mentality or the African mentality. What are your thoughts on that argument? Yeah, for me, actually, every uh, country, every uh, culture have their own traditions. There are a lot of uh, diverging uh, culture and uh, tradi- uh, and uh, customs. 
Uh, however, in the global trend of uh, uh, market economy and uh, industrialization and development, I actually would argue that there's a convergence among these uh, diverging cultures. So people now think more about uh, efficiency, about uh, value increase, uh, about uh, economic benefits, and that's uh, a requirement Required by the global uh, trend of uh, uh, industry growth. So I, in this uh, uh, connection, I would say the different uh, Asian and uh, Africans, uh, they go towards uh, this uh, common uh, culture of uh, industrial modernization culture through their diverging culture and uh, traditional passes. Fantastic. Um, and then I suppose another interesting question is the idea of pol policy continuancy and um, whether do you think China has benefited from um, a kind of long-term policy thinking that hasn't been possible in Africa due to kind of presidential terms or mm. elections. Is that, is that something you have any thoughts on? Uh, I don't think China has a really a very long-term planning. There's just the consistency of policy, and that consistency is not only uh, uh, like planned by the leaders, but it's actual consensus among the societies. Therefore, when the leaders change or when the different uh, government made their con uh, concrete plans, the whole societies, they actually hold this common vision uh, steadily. While in Africa, I think uh, uh, even when some presidents, they hold the office for decades long, but actually the society doesn't have uh, this uh, long-term and common vision. And uh, you can see that even within a president, their policies may fluctuate. So I, for me, then this consistency doesn't come from just some policy makers, but it should be a whole society uh, consensus. Next up, we have uh, the interview with Ambassador Xu Zan. Let's listen in. What is the key lesson from China's transformation that we can uh, learn from as Africans? Well, I think it's mainly choosing a kind of a policy after the discussion with uh, representatives of the society and then try to make the policy choice independently and uh, try to try it out according to the uh, real condition of the country at that time because uh, the, the condition will change quite a lot. So you always have to, how do we say, modify it. But I think the main lesson we learned from our own 70 years is that when we find this is a policy that does not produce the designed results, we have to make change. But you have to go through the kind of social relatively consensus. Not necessarily everybody agree, but the majority will agree. 
And the second thing is that you have to try it out because nobody will know the real implementation could reach the results. So somewhat you have to constantly make the uh, change or update. Fantastic. Um, and then second question I was going to ask is, um, how important have regional examples been in Asia's development story to success stories? And what have they, what role have they played in encouraging um, a more cumulative growth in the area? It's hard to say because I have been doing the research on the uh, Africa for the last uh, 40 years. Um, for instance, I haven't visited um, many Asian countries myself. So it is uh, what I'm going to think about it is uh, mainly from my reading, not from the uh, a kind of field research. Mm -hmm. So I think. Uh, each country has its own strong points there. Whether it is um, so-called the uh, liberal like the uh, Japan, or so-called these um, various uh, or more so socialist. So it is uh, very difficult to, to sum up which country will be a model. Mm -hmm. Even in China itself, there are a dozen of a dozen of models for the development or for the policy making process according to different regions. So I think you have to do the field research and then take it back to your own country and to see which one it might be work. I like the idea of having to try things out. I think that's pretty important and something that we need to explore a bit more when we're thinking of policy approaches and basically how to approach the topic of economic growth and development. Anyway, uh, so our third speaker is Suleiman Kulibali from the World Bank. Let's listen in to what he had to say. Um, how important are regional examples for Asia's continued development success? I think the countries that are uh, explored in the in the book provide various entry points for African countries to learn from, uh, starting from Japan, Thailand, um, South Korea, the Tigers. We see uh, how openness, um, how uh, learning from um, advanced trading partners, how adopting technology and then adapting them, and then moving along the line have been uh, very uh, helpful for these countries. Um, so I think African countries can learn that, you know, they need to be part of the global economy and then uh, take from uh, all the positive things in the global economy, adapt it to their reality, and then not uh, take the fair share in the, in the economy as a whole. So I think this uh, uh, aspect of the Asian experience is very important for African countries. You can't uh, isolate yourself. You need to take your full place in the global economy and then build on your strength. Fantastic. And then, um, do you think there is an Asian mindset and an African mindset? And 
and that that's what might be the difference or do you think those ideas are, are wrong and that there are other reasons behind it? Um, for coming from Africa, having studied in, in Europe and live in US and now living in Asia, I can say that at least I see some difference in the way uh, uh, we as African uh, face some situation compared to Asia, particularly on the leadership side. Um, what I notice is, you know, it was very determined, rigorous leadership that helps homogenization countries to succeed. Uh, while in Africa, it has often been like political posturing, a lot of talking, but not necessarily the leadership that will mobilize the population and get things done. Maybe we might have a few examples here and there, for instance, in Rwanda, um, but not systematic as it was in East Asia. And these countries were learning from each other. You know, for instance, what happened in Japan, encouraged people in Taiwan, and then in South Korea and China. While in Africa, we don't have that, you know, spillover effect from one good example that has been leading other good example and following up. So I think this is maybe uh, something that's a clear difference that we need. We still need a real champion in Africa that will show that Africa can really raise uh, beyond the expectation of where people are, have been considering Africa. Great. And what are your thoughts on policy continuation and whether you think have Asian countries got that, that right, um, whereas perhaps Africans may not have done? Or do you think it's more of a leadership issue? Or what's your thought on that? Um, I think it might be, at least in Asia, um, if I take the case, for instance, the country I cover, Malaysia, they have had the same party for a long time with a vision that was followed through. Uh, it's only recently that we had a party change. And surprising or not surprising enough, it was, you know, the leader of the same party who just uh, flipped uh, to, to, to the opposition. So we have this kind of continuity of vision that was covering, uh, you know, uh, development uh, uh, option in the country. Um, so uh, in Africa, I think uh, we need to probably, as uh, some of the participants pointed to, to have uh, some, uh, uh, I would say, um, some stakeholders who are really uh, key in the population, who would be um, kind of forcing somehow the leadership to keep on doing what they pro promised to do, so that you know there is a feedback mechanism. If this feedback mechanism is set, I think there will be also continuity in the policy because then the stakeholders, meaning the citizens, will be able to vote in those who will be continuing to deliver what they are expecting and vote out those who are not delivering. But we need to have a system that credibly allows the citizen to pick the, the leaders who are delivering on their own expectation and this is maybe the struggle. And finally, the last but certainly not the least is Prime Minister Moketi Majoro of Lesotho. Let's listen into what the Prime Minister had to say. Um, so what lessons do you take from Asia's manufacturing success? Well, there's, uh, there's two levels. One is that, yes, you can develop industry, provided, of course, there's a... Uh, international markets are open uh, for you and you are running an open export-oriented economy. Mm -hmm. 
But as to whether we can go to Singapore or Vietnam or Taiwan and replicate their successes, that's much harder. I think the historical context are much more uh, difficult to emulate. Each African country actually has its own idiosyncrasies and it's not going to be able to do that. But its own context provides uh, avenues for success. Uh, but again, there must be a, a leadership consensus, which again is much harder to have. But there must be a leadership consensus that must focus then on, on industrialization. Beyond that, there's a lot more difficult questions of how you navigate uh, accessing open and global markets. But at least it's something that you need to look at it and determine what it is that you need to do and then uh, uh, work and take advantage of the uh, advantages that you have. Mm -hmm. So Lesotho has, but it will be very interesting to know how Lesotho has managed uh, to do some work in, in government industrialization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned there the idea that each African country has its own context. Uh, and in session, we've discussed a little bit about whether a feeling of being tied to history is holding Africa back in terms of development. Do you think that's the case and that Asia being more forward-looking has meant their development road has been fast-tracked? Um, do you think that's something that should be looked at in, in terms of Afri an African context? I think uh, in Asia and in Africa, there's some... Uh, head mentality, group mentality in there. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in Asia and, and you, you are watching uh, the four tigers uh, developing, developing quite rapidly, mm -hmm. you wonder why, uh, why do I have to be here and allow our neighbors next door to uh, progress? Mm -hmm. So it was a source of self-introspection in, in, in what you needed to do policy-wise. Mm. It wasn't, uh, the answers went so broad as to go into what kind of political system am I running, am I on an authoritarian regime or not. It was, there were global markets, there was Japan, which could be a source of some uh, value chain manufacturing. Mm. And so I think and demonstrative effects in Asia uh, created a consensus to pursue manufacturing and ultimately look at where Asia is. Likewise, had mentality and uh, lamenting colonialism. It's 50, it's 50 odd years. It can't continue to be. But our discourse is still about how underdeveloped we have been and how those uh, colonial uh, mentality, colonial mentality has continued to channel African thinking in a particular way. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there are examples of African countries that, that are throwing away or dropping the, the bonds of former colonialism and finding ways uh, of developing uh, Ethiopia, etc. And Lesotho is definitely experimenting with some interesting things. 30 years of government manufacturing. One of, a few years ago, a leading African exporter into the, into the US. Mm -hmm. Now, very slowly, beginning to develop a domestic, domestic 
investor groups into the the same garment industry that used to uh, that is going to the U.S. But the domestic investors are less concerned about far away market. There's a big South African market next door. So how do we then develop that mass and domestic uh, industrial class? And so I think there are, there are answers we can also share. And all these successes from Lesotho are taking place, notwithstanding the difficult political environment that Lesotho has endured for over 50 over 50 years. Mm. Lesotho is unique. It's uh, the lowest point in Lesotho is one and a half kilometers above sea level. And you can go uh, very close to uh, 4,000 meters to a sea level. So the, the, uh, uh, the cold climate, the high altitude, clean water, over certain investors, uh, opportunities that they would not get elsewhere in the uh, on the continent. That's all for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed these snippets, but don't let it end there. Share this episode with your friends, with your family, within your network, and stay tuned for the others to come. Um, as always, do think through some of these ideas and these topics. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for your country? And if you'd like to share them with us, we are more than happy to listen. Engage with us on our socials or email us. You can check the description box for a link to do that, as well as a link to buy the book, The Asian Aspiration. As always, it's a pleasure being in your ears and we look forward to connecting again next time. Stay well and stay safe.